Just a reminder to me, um, on the way out, actually it's in your bulletin today, we have a special uh, sacred music outreach that is on Sunday evening, September 16th. It is going to be a fantastic, awesome, uh, greatly used of God uh, ministry that we'll have here on that night. And we want you to take advantage of getting those cards and inviting folks to come that evening and just filling up the house of God. Uh, we have our choir and our orchestra being joined by uh, a special ensemble from Falls Baptist Church up in Wisconsin. It's going to be a great, great, great time of just special music with the gospel being presented. And I know your hearts will be greatly blessed. That whole weekend will revolve around that. So please be sure you take some extra cards. We're kind of in a two-week crunch. We want to do everything we can to encourage people to be here for that. I promise you, you'll be greatly blessed by it. I've listened to bits and pieces of the choir and orchestra. They just started rehearsing for it. And there's just some awesome pieces that the Lord's going to use in our hearts. So you'll be there for that. Then I saw on the way in, I saw Adela Alicorn come in. Is Adela here? Where's Adela at? Adela, God bless you for being here. She's been out for a whole month. And praise the Lord. How are you feeling? You feeling good? Praise the Lord. We're praying for you. Bless God. She had heart surgery a month ago and just doing well. Praise the Lord for that. And we have first-time guests and visitors, very first time here at Baptist Church. We are honored you're here today, and we pray that God will do something great in your heart. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please, this morning. The book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please be kind enough to share your Bible with them. Help them find their place this morning, and that will be a blessing. Joshua chapter 14, and... uh, we're going to look at a, we're not looking at Joshua of all things today. The, the spotlight is on someone other than Joshua. Joshua chapter 14. Now if you're trying to find it, it's the sixth book of the Old Testament. If you find Deuteronomy, you'll find Joshua. If you find Judges, go back one book and you'll be in Joshua. You'll be right there. Joshua chapter 14. Say amen if you're there. Verse 6. Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's read, let's read together. I'll read the even number of verses. You read the odd number of verses. Is that okay? I'll read 6. You read 7. I read 8. You read 9. You know how that goes. Alright? Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord sent unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Congregation, 40 years old. <clears throat> Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. How many thankful for that this morning, man? The Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, or eighty-five years of age. Congregation, as yet... Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Congregation in Joshua 
Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Notice verses 10 and 11. The last time we read about Caleb was in Numbers 13 and 14. You might want to write them in the margins of your Bibles. Numbers 13 and 14. Because all the biography we have on this man is two, two candid snapshots, two Polaroid moments. Polaroid moment number one, snapshot number one, Numbers 13, 14. He's 40 years old. He said, let's do it. Everybody else said, we can't do it. Snapshot number two, we get to Joshua 14 and 15. He's 85 years old. David said, I was young, but now I'm old. I understand that sometimes when you get older, you feel it, don't you? I heard some of our guys had a, well, one of our young men's getting married, Brother Gerald, and, and is getting married with, to Jessica, and you pray for them, they're getting married at the end of this month, and, and Gerald, Gerald, they had a, a bachelor event for him yesterday, and I guess they, when I understand some of the guys did some athletic things. You know, when guys get, when they get out of school and they get a little older, they just want to prove, even if they're 35, 45, 55, they just got to prove that they, they still got it at, like they did at 15, you know what I'm saying? And they started playing soccer, things like that, and one of them I saw later on, he says, oh man, I'm feeling it right now. I said, wait till tomorrow morning. Let's see if you get out of bed. Amen. And notice Caleb says something. I am this day four score and five years old. He says, I'm 85 years old. Praise the Lord. We have a dear lady in the congregation this morning. Two weeks ago at 86 got baptized. And he made a statement that I think all of us were thinking about, man, I hope I can say that when I'm there. In verse 11, he said, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. He said, I've got, his, I've got it today at 85 like I had it at 40. I've got it with my eyes. I've got it in my mind. I've got it in my body. I'm ready to go to war. He says, I'm as strong this day as I was in that day. Caleb was saying, when you live for God, you never grow old. I want you to follow this morning. I pray the Lord encourage your heart from the life of Caleb. Father, this morning, bless the reading of your word. Father, we're all going to get old. (laughs) We can't change that. It's an irreversible process. Aging came about when sin came into the world. We know the Bible says by by one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So then death was passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And yet, Lord, we thank you. Thank you today. There's hope beyond the grave through your Son, Jesus Christ. And today, as we look at this incredible character of faith, may we never be the same. Help us to see a man who came home, who found his home there in Hebron. And whether we're young or whether we're old, I pray the Scriptures today would inspire us 
There's more to do for God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Sanctify thy people through thy truth, for thy word is truth. Thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For 13 chapters, we have focused on Joshua. All throughout Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, Joshua was, was, was a leader in training. Joshua was the second man. Joshua was in the shadows. We get to the book of Joshua in chapters 1 to 13. Joshua is now the leader. The baton was passed to him. God said, Moses, my servant is dead. You are now the man. Now notice if you would here, when he entered into this land of Canaan, because now we're in chapter 13 and 14, he's in the land of Canaan. Five or so years have passed by. They've been conquering the land. As we know from chapter 13, 31 cities and areas were conquered. They were claiming their inheritance that God promised to them. And the spotlight has been on this man, Joshua. And for the most part, Joshua's life was impeccable. He was not sinless, but his life was impeccable when it came to character, loyalty, and dependence, and faith on God. Now the spotlight shifts because alongside of Joshua, he had a special friend. His friend has been in the shadows this whole time. His friend perhaps gets probably more honor in this particular chapter than any other segment of Scripture in Joshua. And that this man that we're looking at today is a man by the name of Caleb. Caleb and Joshua were two guys, two men, that had shared the same heart, the same vision. They were men that were very similar in having a heart for God. The focus today is on a man by the name of Caleb, who when we first see him in Scripture, he's 40 years old. Now he's 85 years old. At 85 years of age, Caleb was still going strong, and he's noted for the great accomplishment that he does. There's one last thing he does before he leaves the pages of Scripture. There's one more thing he does, and he takes that mountain area, which is called Hebron. But our focus this morning is what? How did he get to that place? How did that happen? I'm going to share a story about a 99-year-old man tonight that you need to hear. It brought tears to my eyes when I read the story. And it's a great story you'll, you'll read about just something recent that was in the news. But, you know, the news captures, the, captures our attention when someone who's older in age does something very remarkable. I think about this morning, the oldest woman to complete a marathon was a, name, a woman by the name of Gladys Burrill. Gladys was 92 years of age when she completed and ran the Honolulu Marathon. Would you believe this? For some of you marathon runners, she finished the marathon in nine hours and 53 minutes. Man, if I could just keep running for 53 minutes, I would just be happy. Amen. Amen. You know, this lady went it. Now, she power walked, Grant, Grant, you. She power walked and jogged it. But hey, listen, 92 years of age, she completed the Honolulu Marathon. Now, that wasn't the first time she ran something like that. She competed uh, a couple years before that. But when she completed that Honolulu Marathon, they nicknamed her. Remember, her name is Gladys. They nicknamed her Gladiator, if you can imagine that. They called her Gladiator for completing that. I think of a man by the name of... Uh, a mountaineer, a man who at 79 years of age had major heart surgery, but at 80 he decided to climb Mount Everest. This man's name was Yuichiro Mayura. He was a Japanese man who for the very first time at age 75 decided he would climb Mount Everest, and he had he climbed it another time after that. He had heart surgery at 79, decided, you know what, I'm going to get well, I'm going to go through my cardio rehab, and after I'm done with cardio rehab, I'm going to train again. And he climbed it, and he made this statement, he said, 
says, you know, after three times, I think I've climbed Mount Everest all that I'm going to climb it. Amen. But at age 80, here's a man that climbed Mount Everest. Then I think of a man by the name of Tiishi Igarashi. Uh, Tiishi, at the age of 100, if you can imagine, this, in 1987, at the age of 100, he climbed Mount Fuji. Now, I don't know about you, man, if I could just walk at 800, that, that'd be a blessing. Amen. This man climbed Mount, at Mount Fuji at age 100. Then, of course, we think about one of our modern day heroes, a man who was one of the first astronauts to go up into space with the Mercury, the Mercury, the Mercury expedition. At age 77, Senator John Glenn became the oldest person to travel in space. Many of you take for granted, like I do, our dictionary and our thesaurus. A thesaurus is a very needy tool that, uh, you want to have so as you kind of think about synonyms and antonyms of words peter roguette developed and came out with the with the roguette thesaurus if you can imagine this at age 73 and then of course how many of us we think about just as you got to the corner there of marina and merced how many how many of us cannot get out of our mind that at age 65 colonel sanders came out with kentucky fried chicken amen you owe it to the colonel don't you now, now I know the commercials today, they got a fake colonel because the other colonel passed away and went home to be with the Lord. But can you imagine, age 65, he got his first Social Security check, if you can imagine that. It was $99, and this is what he said, there's got to be something better to life than just collecting Social Security check, amen? And he got inspired, he went to his little little burner there, put some oil in there, and he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the, I'm going to franchise uh, fried chicken. And he did! He franchised fried chicken. It's around the world. I mean, you go to the Philippines, there's KFC. You go to Beijing, China, there's KFC, you know. I mean, there's nowhere in the world you can't go where there's a major population of people where there's a KFC there. And then, of course, how how about our, our, our uh, Dr. Don Sisk who was with us last week? Amen? Dr. Sisk is 85 years of age, and here he stood at our pulp, and he says, Hey, church, pray for me that I live until I die. I'm going to have to say today, what, a, what an incredible thing we think about people like that. All that tells me when I read verses 10 and 11, and I look at these people, you never grow old. You don't have to grow old. We're, we know we're going to mature. We know we're going to age. We know that things will set in. But you never have to grow old. If you're living for God, if you want to do something great with your life for God, I want to tell you today, you are a person who never grows old. I want you to see some things about this life of Caleb this morning very quickly. Number one, would you notice Caleb's resolve? Would you notice Caleb's resolve? And we need to go back to Numbers 13 and 14 for just a minute if you have that in your Bible. Resolve speaks of determination, earnestness, and steadfastness. Now it doesn't matter what age of life you are at. If you're going to make it, if you want to be successful, if you want to get a job done, you must have resolve. You must have determination. You must be earnest and steadfast about what you're going to do. We must have resolve for our marriages. We must have resolve in getting through college. We must have resolve in getting through our career. We must have resolve. And one of the characteristics we see about this man by the name of Caleb was that he had resolved. Notice the faith in this man's resolve. In Numbers 13, would you notice the story with me? It says in verse 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. 
Nevertheless, the people be strong to dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. But notice this, Caleb said, Caleb stilled the people. He said, hush, be quiet. Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to possess it. Here's what happened there in number 13. They're on the cusp. Moses there is with three million Hebrews. They're on the cusp of going into the land of Canaan, of claiming the inheritance that God had talked about. God had prepared them for that moment. And Moses said, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take one man who's a leader out of all of our tribes. He selected 12 men. Of those 12 men, Joshua represented the, the, the tribe of Ephraim. And if you notice here, Caleb represented the tribe of Judah. And these 12 men went into the land there of Canaan. They were to spy out the land. They were to check it out. He says, I want you to go down there for 40 days. I want you to survey the land. I want you to look at the people. I want you to look at the valleys. I want you to look at the mountains. I want you to study the terrain. I want you to study the water. I want you to do a soil sample. I want you to test the produce of the land. And so great was the discovery they had. The Bible says that even the grapes that they had were enormous. The Bible says that two men, two of those spies came back with a pole on their shoulders, each one supporting a pole, and suspending from that pole were clusters of grapes that were on that pole. Not about you, but those grapes sound like they were more like grapefruit than they were grapes. Amen? And they, they were just suspended on this pole. They came back from it. And when they came to Moses, they said, Oh, that's a wonderful land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey and the term milk and honey, man, it was just a wonderful, wonderful place. It was The land was fertile, and the rain was there, and the crops were growing, and it was a great place that you could grow your family and build things. He said, the whole area that we surveyed is a wonderful thing. And they said, look at the product thereof. Look at these grapes that we brought back. And you can imagine what that did in people's minds. If they just saw the grapes, they wonder, I wonder what the apples are like, and I wonder what everything else is like, and I wonder what the corn is like, and I wonder what the wheat is like, and they were thinking of those things. But ten of the spies, before anything else could be said, they said, but, but, it's a difficult place. The cities are walled. And the sons of Anakim were there. And the sons of Anak, if you were, were the giants of the land. Uh, there was a, well, one of those giants, he was named, his name was Og. And this man, Og, stood between 11 and 12 feet tall. These men, all these nations that we just read here in Numbers 13, they were, they were ferocious nations and they were Canaanite nations and they, they were warring nations and they boasted of men that were brave and strong and very tall and very big. And they said things like this. They said, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And they said, we're not able to go there. But listen, after those ten sides spoke, Caleb was the first to stand up. He said, wait, hush, be quiet. He said, be quiet. Let's go up now. Let us go up right now. Let us go up once and possess. And he said this, for we are well able to possess. And he said, it doesn't matter. There are giants in the land. He said, listen, we can do it. Listen, this man, Caleb, as we look at his life, there was faith in his resolve. He had faith that God can get it done. Look again at verse 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to possess it. He said he wasn't talking about their power, the power they had in God. Hey, that's our theme for this year from Numbers 1330. I believe, he believed that God gave them the power. He believed in the promise of God. He had faith in His resolve. May I say to you this morning, 
Faith is seeing what others can't see. Faith is seeing beyond what others can see. Faith believes the impossible can become possible. Faith is absolute trust and confidence in the promises of God and the presence of the Lord. Faith is obedience in action. Faith is asking God to do what only He can accomplish. Faith is being resolved that with God all things are possible. This man, Caleb, had faith in his resolve. He had faith that it could be done. He had faith that they could conquer it. He had faith in what God was able to do. The other spies said, no, we can't. They said, they said this later on. They saw the sons of Anak and they saw the giants that dwelt there. And they said, we're not able to do it. And they said, the people there are greater than us. And then the ten spies made an analogy, a comparison. They said, I'll tell you, Moses, how bad it is. They, that people, the land, are giants. And in comparison to them, we're just little puny grasshoppers that they can just stomp upon. They are giants. We are grasshoppers. But they forgot one thing. Yes, there's giants. And we might be grasshoppers, but we've got God. We've got God. And they left God out of the picture. But, oh, Caleb there, you get the Numbers chapter 14. He had resolved. He says, listen, we can do it. We can get it done. Not because we have the power. Not because we have the technology. Not because we have all those things. But we've got God. And when the majority opinion said no, the minority opinion said, yes, we're going to go. May I remind you this morning, the majority opinion in Caleb's day said it wasn't possible. May I remind you today, the majority opinion today denies that it's possible. They say that God doesn't exist. The majority opinion in our educational institution says that God is dead. The majority opinion of religions around the world that Jesus Christ was just another man. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ was more than just another man. He was the Son of God who became a man for you and I. Remind you today, He was the Son of God who became a man, yet without sin, that He would die for the sins of every one of us. He became like us. It behooved to become like us, so that as He would die for our sins, He would be the sinless sacrifice that would die for the sins of all of mankind. You understand something? The Creator of the world made Himself just like the Creator. He took upon Himself the form of man. He understood our afflictions. He understood our temptations. He understood all the things we were exposed to. He understood what it was to be tired and to be weary. He understood heartache and heartbreak and He endured all those things. But bless God, Jesus Christ experienced all those things yet without sin. What a Savior. What a Savior. Majority opinion is wrong about Jesus and His deity. They say He's not God. I declared this morning by the authority of Scripture, He is God. The majority opinion was wrong about Jesus and His death. He didn't die for a few men. I declared this morning, Jesus Christ died for all men. Majority opinion is wrong about Jesus and his deliverance. They say pluralism says there's many roads that lead to heaven. I would declare this morning there's only one road that leads to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Remind this morning, this man Caleb had resolve. He had faith in his resolve. Hey, do you have faith this morning? You have faith that God can? You have faith to say like God in the face of insurmountable situations, we are well able to possess it. Is there some decision you've got to make? Is there some place you need to go? Is there something that you need to do? But your faith is so small, you're thinking, I can't do it and I'm not able and I don't have the capability. Yes, you're right. We are too small. We're not able. But with God, all things are possible to him that believeth. He had faith in his resolve. But notice something else. This man followed in his resolve. Now, Numbers 14, 
there was civil unrest in the nation of Israel. Ten spies were influencing all the other twelve tribes. They said, we're not able. And if you read Numbers 14, it tells us the people got became sorrowful and murmured. And they said, why did you leave us here? And it got so bad, they said, let's make another leader. Moses, you're out. You're fired. Well, first of all, they couldn't fire him. God put him there. Amen. You can't fire somebody that God put there. You can try. It's not going to happen. God put him there. And they said, they said, let's fire you. We're going to raise up another captain. We, we ought to go back to Egypt and let's go eat our leeks and our onions. And they forgot about their bondage. They're thinking about leeks and their onions. They're thinking about earthly things that crawl out of the ground. They're thinking about all those things. And then Caleb stood up once again with Joshua. And Caleb said, no, don't, don't go that way, guys. We, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. We've got to change. And then they turned on Caleb and Joshua and said, we're going to take you out too, guys. Wow, that was pretty scary. The crowd spoke of stoning Caleb and Joshua. Hey, let me ask you a question, Christian. When the crowd is against you, will that change your decision? Will that change your resolve? When the crowd says they're going to hurt you, is that going to change your conviction? Will you change your conviction? By the way, if you change your conviction, it was never a conviction. It was a preference. God had enough of that rebellion. And you read Numbers 14, it was a very scary moment. I think it's around verse 12 or so. It says that God came down. Now listen this morning. I'm thankful God came down in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. But back in those days, the Old Testament days, when God came down, He came down either to manifest His glory in the tabernacle, or He came down to do some business. And God came down to do some business right there. He came down and He said, listen, you guys messed up. I gave you the opportunity to go. You're murmuring. You're complaining. You have no faith about going. He said, here's what's going to happen. You were in that wilderness area. You were in that area of Canaan for 40, 40 days. He said, for the next 40 years, all of that generation, everyone 21, 20 years and up, you're not going to make it into that Canaan land. You're going to die in the wilderness. You're going to wander and go in circles for the next 40 years. You're not going to go anywhere. Hey, it's a terrible thing when we have unbelief. You're just going to be going in circles for the rest of your life. Plugged some coordinates into my GPS years ago, one of the ancient GPSs. How many understand an ancient GPS? Amen. And listen, the place I had to go to was only a four-minute drive from church. That demon-possessed GPS. How many understand what I'm saying? Amen. It was demon-possessed that day. It took me all the way up to the hills, the, the San Leandro Hills. It took me around this area. I said, well, you know, at least I, I, I knew this area existed. I didn't know it existed before. Amen. And then I finally got my point. I looked at my wife. I said, good grief. This thing could have got me here within three to four minutes. What happened? And she said, it's your GPS, not mine, you know. <laughs> at that critical moment, they spoke of stoning Caleb and Joshua. When you're under pressure, what does pressure do to you? Pressure point moments are gifts from God to help determine how well will we follow. And Caleb said, you know what? Stone me. We're still well able. <laughs> Go ahead. You know when God came down? He told that congregation, you're going to wander. You're just going to go in circles like a demon-possessed GPS. Amen. You're going to go in circles 
You're going to all die off here. I'm going to raise up a new generation to get it done. But he said, Caleb and Joshua, they're going to go there. And he, and he said this description of Caleb that really stands out. He said, Caleb deserves to go because he wholly followed the Lord. Listen to Numbers 14.24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully, him will I bring again into the land wherewith he, where, where, where he went and his seed shall possess it. God described the resolve of this man as that he followed fully. He followed completely. He was a good follower. Yeah, listen, you'll never be a good leader unless you're first a good follower. You're never going to be someone who can lead your family unless you're following the Lord. You're never going to be someone that can lead a church unless you're following the Lord. All good leaders are always good followers. And this man, Caleb, at the age of 40, could have been really just arrogant and cocky and says, well, you know, I, I don't have to be like this. But he just said, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow God. And God saw his spirit. He had a different spirit. He had a spirit of love. He had a spirit of loyalty. And he said, I'm going to follow the Lord regardless of what everybody else does. He had the spirit like Peter and John when they said, we must obey God rather than man. And he followed the Lord. And God saw that trait. Hey, listen, there's a lot of things God sees in us. There's a lot of things we want God to see in us. But I'm going to tell you this morning, Christian friend, the greatest thing God wants to see in you and me is do we follow fully in our resolve with Him. Thank God this morning, last Sunday night, as we gave the challenge to our church to respond to Faith Promise Missions, mind you, we've been we've kind of hit a ceiling for three years at the same level. Thank God that we had a 19% increase over the previous year. 19. Listen, our people came forward on Sunday night, and some are giving Faith Promise commitments today, and we're thankful for that. I'm excited. I told the deacons the other night, some of the staff, I said, man, I'm praying. I'm praying about some church buildings we can help a church, to, some missionary to build. I'm praying that we'll have opportunity one day to take some of that money and help, help get a hospital built over sees that'd be a blessing amen for a missionary there and get some schools started and get some bibles in people's hands and things like that i mean that's an exciting thing to do but i'm saying today this man what what really counts here is that he followed fully the lord now look later on 45 years later that's still what he's doing he's still following the lord look what god says later on in joshua 14 by his own testimony, he said, verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt. He said they put fear in the hearts of people. But he said, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. There was no question he followed the Lord. And he wasn't saying that to pat himself on the back. He said, listen, at a critical moment, I follow the Lord. And then listen, the testimony later on in verse 9, he said, and Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy, thy children's forever. Notice the testimony of God, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And then later on, notice verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed Follow the Lord God of Israel. I don't have time to take you on a word study this morning, but I challenge you, church, to do a word study on the word follow. And it's a very interesting thing how God promises blessings and fruitfulness and productivity to those who follow Him. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I wholly follow the Lord. Here was a man that had resolved. Listen, today I'm reminded of Ludwig van Beethoven. Ludwig van Beethoven was one of the great composers of generations gone by. But what very few people knew back in his day was that Ludwig van, van Beethoven had two, two infirmities. The first was that as he was getting older, his fingertips became more thickened and he had trouble feeling and being able to play the piano like he did in his younger days. The other infirmity, which was even worse, was the fact that he had a, grow, a hearing impairment that eventually by the age of 50, he became totally deaf. Isn't it amazing that though he could not hear well, externally, 
Inside of his mind, he could imagine the music and still after the age of 50, wrote some of the greatest classical pieces of music that the world has ever known. He didn't let age get a, a hold of him. He didn't let any of those things affect him. He just had a heart that says, I'm going to continue to pursue what I've been called to do. And I say this morning, Christian friend, if we're ever going to, we're going to do something great for God, if we want to get old, if we're going to grow old and be accomplishing something for God, we must have resolve in our life. Notice this man had resolve, but notice number two very quickly. Would you notice Caleb's resilience? He was 40 and now he's 85. Now, 45 years is a long time. I understand what you look like at 40. You do not look like at 85. I met. I understand sometimes you run to somebody on the street. They look at you. They may recognize you. Isn't it embarrassing when you don't recognize them because they look different? Amen. I'm writing kind of the story of a, of a lady that a lady that uh, that uh had a situation. She was about her 60s and had a heart attack. And, and while she was on the operating table, she had this, she had this visit from God. And God said, ma'am, he said, he said, ma'am, listen, I'll, I'll give you many more years. He said, I'll give you 43 more years to your life. And she said, that'll be wonderful. He said, you get off this bed, I'll, I'll give you 43 years more of, my, uh, of life. And she was so excited. She got recovered from the heart attack. She thought, well, you know, God's going to give me 43 more years to my life. And first thing she did was she went out and got a facelift. Amen. Next thing she did was she got some liposuction done. She did all these cosmetic things. She got her hair colored. She changed her hair. I mean, she was looking really good and she was doing really good and she was, re- and she was getting well from the, from being in the hospital and all these things. And she walked outside. She walked out in front of a car and a car hit her and she went back home to heaven. And she awakens in heaven and she looks at the Lord and she says, God, you promised me 43 more years. And God, you said you'd give me more strength. You'd give me more life. You promised me 43 more years and 10 more months. Lord, why did you let that car hit me? God looked at her and blinked his eyes and says, oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize you, ma'am. People change and sometimes it's noticeable, Amen. They're different in appearance. They're different in their enjoyment. They're different in their attitude. You never know, notice? You can go from being very, very smiley to being very coming snarly. You can go from being very gracious to becoming very grumpy. <laughs> you can go from being, being someone who's happy to being someone, get away from me. Amen, you know? And people change over time. Now notice this man, Joshua, uh, Caleb. Caleb said this. He said, I wholly followed the Lord. And he said, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. This man is characterized by resilience. In verse 10, he says, I'm 85. In verse 11, I'm as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And here's the part that just encourages my heart. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. He he says, listen, I can still do 100 push-ups. I can still do 50 pull-ups. I can still do some of my crutches. I can still do my knee bends. I can be like the gladiator and I can run my marathon at my age. He says, listen, I'm as strong now as I was then. Let me ask you a question. Some of you have been saved for 5 years and 10 years and 15 years and 20 years and 25 years and you're getting up like me, 30, 35, 40. I wonder this morning, are you strong today as you would in your strongest point before that? And many of you who are young, there's a young congregation, praise the Lord. You're 20, you're 30, you're 40. Will you be as strong at 85 and 90 as you are today at 20, 30, and 40? He was resilient. 
Resilience is being steadfast. Resilience is that I'm not going to let that change. He was saying this. He was saying, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now to go out and to come in. He was saying, I'm still the same. I haven't changed. I haven't diminished. Hey, something's to be said for for a church that gets around, that gets started in 1999 and still preaching the old-fashioned gospel of Jesus Christ. There's something to be said 19 years later. The church is still preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's something to be said about a church that got started 19 years ago that started knocking on doors and getting a lot of people slamming the doors in their faces. I don't want to talk to you. Now, 19 years later, we're still knocking doors and people are getting saved and people are coming to church. There's something to be said about standing in the pulpit and knowing that if you've been away for a period of time, you can come back to the church and the pastor's still preaching the old-fashioned Word of God and the music's still the same and the convictions are still the same and God is still on His throne and we're still exercising faith. I mean, there's something to be said when you've got resilience. You say, you know what? I'm not going to change. I don't care where the world is going. I don't care what the philosophy of the world are going. I'm just going to be the same for God. That's why we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Are you resilient? Do you have resolve? Be resilient about the Bible. Listen, all these new translations, you just need the one translation. That's the right translation. Be resilient about living for God. Hey, let me tell you something great. I've told the church about AB 2943. How many remember the memos we sent about AB 2943? Did you hear what happened? It passed the Senate, passed the Assembly. We've asked the church numerous times, please write to them. The author of the bill is an activist, a terrible activist, and wanted to see it through. We've had, we've had, I've got some good pastor friends up in Sacramento, been going there weekly. We've got some folks up there, been lobbying there against it. And the reports we've been getting back is that it's just been a hard thing. And, and many of our conservative groups just decided, you know, if this thing goes through, they're going to probably, there's going to probably be some lawsuits filed. It's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. What a waste of money for all that kind of stuff there. And this week, this week, in, up in the assembly, they were to make a decision about moving this forward to Governor Brown's desk for signature. On Friday at no, and, and I'm getting these memos all of last week. I'm getting emails, text messages, and, and all week long. And this bill is just kind of hanging around out there during this whole time there. And, and, and some of my friends up there said, "We don't know what's going on. This guy's not brought it up. It's not happening." They said he's got to Friday afternoon to bring it up. Would you believe this? Would you believe this? The author of AB two nine four three on Friday afternoon pulled it and became a dead piece of legislation. That's the power of God at work there. Still the same. Hey, prayer still works. God is still the same. Listen, the God that answered the prayers of Abraham and Daniel and Samuel and David is the same God that you and I have. He's still the same. We need to be the same about our Bibles. We need to be the same about prayer. We need to be the same when, 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 when trials come. Back before Paul's time, the ancient Athenians would run their races. One of the races they ran is they would get all the runners lined up. They put a torch in their right hand. And that torch in the right hand would be lit very brightly. And they were to run the race. But the runners that were given the victor's crown were not the ones who came in first. The ones who got the victor's crowns were the ones who crossed the finish line with the torch still burning in their hand. May I suggest you today, Jesus has put a torch in your hand. Just keep on running strong and be one that crosses that torch, cross that line with that torch still burning bright for Jesus Christ. Oh, Caleb had resolve. Caleb had resilience. But would you notice in my exciting part here tonight, this morning, would you notice Caleb and his request? Look at verse 12 here. That Caleb's making an appeal to Joshua because God had made a promise to him 40 years before, 45 years before. 
At 85 years of age, what would you pray and ask God for? I read a story of a man and his wife. It was a humorous story. A man and his wife, they had just celebrated the 30th wedding anniversary. Both of them were 60 years of age. And this is not a true story. It's a fictional story. They're walking on the beach. They found a bottle. And they opened the, took the cork off the bottle. And a genie came in. You know genies aren't for real. And genie looked at both of them and said, Hey, I'm going to give you both one wish. What would you like? The woman said, Oh, you know what? She said, I'd like to go on the best cruise all over the world. Boom. Cruise ship, best cruise ship was there. They were to get on that ship and go all the way. As they're boarding the ship, the genie said to him, he said, well, sir, you've got your wish. What would you like? And he thought for many. He says, I've been married 30 years, the same wife. He said, you know what? I'd like to have a wife that's 30 years younger than me. Poof. Guess what happened to man? He became 90 years of age. Amen? <laughs> what would you ask for? You're 85 years of age. Hey, you know, 85 years of age, a typical old person is going to say this. You know, I just need to get more sleep. Amen? I just want to be able to eat. My dentures don't fall out. Amen? I want to be able to get up and I don't have any backaches. Amen? I want to be able to, I want to be able to reduce the number of pills I have to take to just get through the day. Amen? I mean, I just hope I can walk 10 feet the next day. Hey, that's typical person to get older. Their requests are really not heavenly centered. But this man, Caleb, at the age 85, he's still thinking, listen, God promised me a mountain. God promised me an inheritance. God promised the area of Hebron. And man, he thought about it. He prayed about it for 45 years. He said, man, I'm not going to let you go, God. I'm not going to let you go, Joshua. And he said, you remember that day that God said he was going to do that? He said, Joshua, I'm as strong today as I was at 40. He said, as my days were then, so are my days now. He said, listen, my eyes are not dim and my strength is not abated. And notice verse 12. He says to Joshua, he said, now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. Listen, he saw the mountain. Yes, he saw those giants. And he remembered those days when they went back. They were there the first time. And all the giants were there. And that scared the heart of his colleagues. He saw those 10 foot, 11 foot and 12 foot giants. He saw those those warriors that were out there. And he thought, man, what do we have against them? But he was determined. He said, we are well able to possess it. And for 45 years, he thought and he dreamed and he prayed for the day that if God let him live, that he would have that day that he would claim that mountain. And he's claiming something from God that day. He said, give me this mountain. As you get older, you ought to be asking God for something great in your life. As you're getting older, you ought to say, God, help me to do something great for you. Give me the mountain where the sons of Anak live. Caleb asked to take down the giants that scared other spies. Caleb asked God to let him finish an unfinished task. Caleb asked him, let me fight a war that I can finish. And Caleb said, let me do what the young men don't want to do. Nobody else wants to do. I'll do it because I've got faith that God can do it. And his prayer was, give me that mountain. Oh, what to God? We'd have some young man that would rise up today and say, Lord, give me the country of Vietnam. And Lord, give me the country of China. And give me the country of Myanmar. And give me the country of New Zealand. And give me the country of, Me- of Mexico. And give me the country of Brazil. We need some people to say, give me a mountain. Let me take something for God. I'm saying to this morning, we need to have some old brothers and sisters of Christ here that come alongside this preacher and say, God, give me San Leandro. And God, give me Dublin. And God, give me Livermore. And God, give me Alameda. And God, give me Oakland. And God, give me San Francisco. He got up there at 85 years of age and he didn't ask God for something small. He didn't ask God for something little. He didn't ask God for something that someone else could do. He asked for something that was big. 
something, something that was out of his boundaries, something that was bigger than him. He said, Lord, give me this mountain today. I'm saying today, don't you be content with getting to age 65 and collect your Social Security check and decide you're going to do that and invest your money and travel around the world. You think you've had a good life. I want to remind you, you get to 65, you're nearer to eternity than you were at 45. It's time to live for God. It's time to get on your knees and pray for God to do some great things. Listen, the greatest prayer warriors that ought to be in Heritage Baptist Church is everybody 65 years of age and under. 65 years of age and older, excuse me. I'm thankful for one of our ladies who's now 90 years of age, 92 years of age. Every morning at 2 o'clock a.m., she's on her knees praying for this preacher and for this church. That was his request. Let me live until I die, he said. What's your mountain you're praying for? Huh? What's your mountain you're praying for? Then notice we see Caleb's reward. Look at verses 13 to 15. Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for inheritance. He got it. Joshua didn't argue with him. Joshua didn't do a, didn't, didn't do a needs assessment and said, well, let me see if your blood pressure is still good. Uh, let me check your feet, see if you got bunions on your feet. He didn't do, he didn't do a, a, an assessment test of his muscle mass. He looked at the faith of that man. He says, you can have it. Hey, Caleb, you can have it. And he looked at him, verse 13. The Bible says he blessed him. And he said, I'll give you all of Hebron for inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this day. Notice this, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Hey, there's a reward for people who stay with the stuff. Next year's our 20th anniversary. Members, stay with the stuff. Stay in the Word. Stay right in your doctrine. Have your hearts on fire. And the name of Hebron before that was Kerjath Jarbo, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Look at chapter 15. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah. According to the commandments of the Lord to Joshua. Now, leading up to this and after this, all the other inheritance, we talk about what went to what tribe. Here, the tribe of Judah, Caleb is isolated. What, what Caleb got. And he says, he gave to Caleb according to the commandments of the Lord to Joshua. Even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebrew. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but in that day... That's like going to a rogue nation that is anti-American, <laughs> anti-democracy, anti-republic, taking a head-on, defeating it, and being the victor. When he took the city of Ar- when he took Arba. Arba, no one else would ever stare to challenge him. Caleb did. And I'm going to suggest to you during your lifetime, there's some challenges we all need to take on. Challenges bigger than us. Challenges that only can be conquered when we're wholly following the Lord our God. We see Caleb in his resilience. We see Caleb in his resolve. We see Caleb in his requests. We see Caleb in his reward. But you notice this as we're done. Would you write this down? We see Caleb in a replication.
Now, Caleb, as we go to chapter 15, this part gets left out. We're told that he conquers the city of Arbon, that area of Hebron. He claims that whole area. By the way, if you know your Bible, you know Hebron became very, very prominent, especially during David's day. And it tells us in those verses, verses 13 to 15, that he defeated the three sons of Anak, Shishai and the other two. And he looked at an area called Kerjath Jarbo. It was formerly known as Deber. Now there was a lot of fights still in Caleb. There was a lot of determination. There's more to do. He got his mountain, but he wasn't finished yet. And he looked at Deber and Kerjath Jarbo, which is now called Kerjath Jarbo. And he says, you know what? This area needs to be taken too. But instead of him claiming it, he made a challenge. He issued an, an exhortational challenge. He said, whoever takes Kerjath Jarbo or Deber, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, to wife. Now, in those days of a valiant man, of a man of prestige and, and, and great esteem, said, if you'll do this, I give you my daughter to wife. That, that was big. I mean, you got, you got the prize of the day. You got the favor of the, of the most prominent man there. And he said, I'll give you my daughter to wife. And it's interesting that he had a relative, a man by the name of Othniel, a man who was his nephew. Othniel means the Lion of God. Othniel stepped up to the town and says, I'll do it. He said, Uncle, I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll take that city. I'll do it. He saw the ferocity in his uncle. He saw that he wholly followed the Lord. He saw his faith. He saw his determination. He says, man, if that the God that you have would help you do that, he says, that's the same God I'm going to. And Othniel went down, and we have recorded here, and again in Judges, if, I think Judges chapter 3, and we see Othniel taking Deber, Kerjath, Jarba, no problem. And so he gets that area, and he gets Aksa to his wife doesn't end there. Ox has grown up in the home of Caleb. She watched her father for 85 years. She said, man, my dad, man, he's got it. My dad, he's got it. My dad's got some fire still in him. My dad's got some fight still in him. My dad's got a faith that I want to emulate. My dad's got some things I need to have. And she said, daddy, daddy, listen, there you gave me and my husband. We love it. But we need some water. We need some irrigation. Listen, Dad, we need some irrigation. Said, Dad, do us one more thing. You, you let us, you let me go. You let Othniel to take the land. But listen, God, give me something else. I need the upper springs and the lower springs. Would you give us the land? Would you give us some water? He said, you can have it. And they got the water to irrigate the land. They got the land. They got the water. They got everything they need. Hey, listen, we need some Caleb, some people that will replicate what Caleb's all about. We need an Othniel. We need an oxa that will pray and ask for some great things. He asked for a mountain. She asked for the springs. He asked for a mountain. And Othel said, I'll claim Kerjath Jarba. I'll claim another mountain. We need the replications of Caleb. Listen, Caleb is not an Old Testament fictional character. He was real. He was a man of God. And we need some modern day Caleb's today where God will transfer into your heart and mind a determination to wholly follow the Lord and have some faith like him and to follow like him and to have some courage like him and determination like him and a close walk with God like him and to go out and say, I'm going to get it done. And to be like an author says, I'll claim my mountain. And be like an ox that says, give me the upper springs and watch what God is able to do in your life. But God's not going to force it on us. It all goes back to one word. We have the resolve. We have the determination. We decide today. 
Caleb was a man that showed us you don't have to grow old. You don't grow old in your faith. You don't grow old in your service for God. You don't grow old living for God. You don't grow old giving God the glory. You don't grow old worshiping the Lord. By the way, you don't grow old being a faithful church member. Amen? You don't grow old when it comes to giving and tithing, serving the Lord and winning souls. Notice as we look at this, look at chapter 14, verse 14. I want to close with this thought with you tonight, this morning. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, under this day. Watch this as we're done. Caleb came home. He came home. That was his final destiny. That was his resting point. You didn't come home if heaven's not your home. You're not home if heaven's not your home. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Caleb looked forward by faith to coming home, to claiming that place called Hebron, which also could be translated as fellowship. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, that you may be also. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God. You know what Jesus is praying for right now for this service? That every person would come home. That every person would find that heaven can be your home. You see, the pathway to heaven is not based upon what we have to do. It's based upon what's already been done. Being born in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian any more than being born in a garage doesn't make you a car. Amen? You have to make your own decision of faith in Jesus Christ. The devil's greatest lie, because he's a liar from the beginning, you have to work your way to heaven. The truth, God's word says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Revealed through God's Word, His Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, while the rest of the world is worried about entitlement programs and giveaway programs, May I tell you today that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from our Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of You know what that means? God offers to you the free gift of eternal life. Claim it by faith. Hey, Caleb claimed Hebron by faith. He had faith through his resolve. 
And today, very simply, where you're sitting, and when you stand in a moment, by faith, you can call on Jesus today to be your Savior, to save you from your sins, to wash away your sins, and guarantee you He placed them. Because Jesus said, I go there to prepare a place for you. Now, for that to happen, you have to put your faith and trust in Him. But when you've done that, you've come home. You've come home. God begins building a mansion for you. He starts construction and it's finished the day we breathe our last breath here in life. Because when we're done here, we open our eyes in eternity. This is what the Lord will say. Welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come home. Come home. Accept Christ today. Make Him your Savior. Christian friend, would you be like Caleb? Holy fall the Lord. You get to 85? You'd be the same? You're going to have something great from God? Or are you just going to walk out and be the same person you were before? Do something for God. Get the faith of a Caleb, a resolve, a resilience, a requesting like he did. Father, today, thank you for Caleb. And the wonderful example he gives us of holy following the Lord. I pray for Christian friends all over the room to have a resolve that's undergirded by faith, a resolve undergirded by following, a resilience, and a desire. Where they'll say like Caleb, give me this mountain. Give me what other people call impossible. Give me what nobody else wants to accomplish. I'll do it. I'll do something for God. And then this morning, as Caleb came home, there's some here today that need to come home. You offer us an invitation that silently and privately we can call on Jesus to be our Savior. And I pray this morning as I give this invitation for any today who are not saved, they'll call on Jesus to save them. Now listen to me, we're almost done. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe there's a stirring in your heart about asking Jesus to save you from your sins and making sure, 100% sure, heaven's your home. Would you let me help you with that today? Right where you're at, the privacy of your own seat, you can pray right now. But this must be the most important prayer, and it's the only prayer that can get you into heaven. Because the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you know you're not saved, you know you're not 100% sure you're saved going to heaven, here's what you can pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess today I am a sinner who needs to be saved. I believe your Son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I take Jesus now to be my Savior my best friend, and my Lord. Thank you today for saving me.
Now I'm still going to pause. Who would say today, by the raising of your right hand, Pastor Fong, I just prayed that prayer just now and asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sins so that I can go to heaven. Who would raise their hand and say, Pastor, I just want to let you know I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. Anyone like that? Is there someone here today who would say, Pastor, I just prayed and asked Jesus to save me from my sins. Anyone like that today? You're here today. God spoke to your heart about trusting Christ. I'll wait just a moment. You know you need to get saved. Would you wait just we'll wait for you? You'd say, Pastor, I need to get saved today. I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Anyone like that today? Christian friend, don't delay. Caleb made no delay in getting to Joshua and saying, Joshua, I want that mountain. Would you give it to me? I urge you this morning, Christian friend, move off the seat of complacency. Come forward and say, God, I'm going to claim it today. And Father, this morning, bless the invitation time. As we think about Jesus, I come, help us to come and come directly to you lovingly, freely, without reservation. We pray for this now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's stand. You can keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's stand. Brother Bond's going to sing, Jesus, I come. Lord, speak in your heart. You're feeling some, something going on in your heart. Can I invite you to come? Let one of the altar workers pray with you, encourage you about your salvation, about living for God, honoring the Lord. Whatever it may be, would you come this morning? Would you come today? God loves you. We love you. God's best for you is that you know for sure you're going to heaven. Would you come today? Let me be like those who are indicating their heart today. I need a spirit of a king. Maybe we vacillate. Maybe we waver a little bit. It's important for us just to have our hearts in the right place. Let's get the heart of a king. Father, today we're so thankful for the love of God. Thank you that you loved us today through a study of the life of Caleb, a man who wholly followed the Lord. Lord, I pray you help me to have that kind of faith, to follow, Lord, without reservation as he did. God, help us to be encouraged that in our lives that it is possible that we can be strong today, 45 years later, as we were earlier. Lord, we have the same faith, the same focus, the same fervor. Father, thank you for this wonderful congregation. Bless each person as we go out for lunch, our separate ways, and prepare for the evening service tonight. The Lord, you prepare our hearts to come with hearts of worship. Father, you've been glorified today. Thank you for the goodness of God, decisions being made. Well, thank you for all of this now, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, amen. God bless you. Well, we have many, many decisions being made right now, and ladies come forward who's moved, recently moved to our area who got saved up in another area that wants to change her membership to our church. We're thankful for Nicole that Nicole's coming forward. She's from Fallon, Nevada and uh, just relocated here and uh, came here Wednesday night just said, you know, I love this church. My pastor told me to come to this church and move my membership. So we'll, we'll vote you in t- tonight if you come back tonight to uh, Nicole for that, but we thank the Lord for that. We're thankful you're here today. You're guest and visitor. This is just how we do church every Sunday and we want you to be encouraged. It's a wonderful place to be a part of and you just serve the Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Will Holm to close in prayer as he comes. Let me just encourage you. Sunday's September 16th, that whole weekend is revolving around the special music emphasis, especially Sunday night. We have the special evangelistic opportunity to come, bring your friends and others to be greatly, greatly encouraged by the special presentation by our choir, orchestra, and the Falls Baptist Church congregation uh, group this coming. Brother, will come lead us in closing prayer, please. Thank you.